to the Live to Give podcast Sunday Sermons, where each week you get to hear the message preached at Faith Church in Lansing, Michigan. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, hey, Faith Church, it is great to be with you uh, in whatever capacity you're joining us. As we always say, whether you it's a Sunday morning and you're watching in your living room and you're in your pajamas, whether you're driving in your car and you're listening to this on the podcast or whatever way, we're just glad that you are joining us uh, for this morning uh, or for this, this service. Uh, let me just tell you, we're in this series called About That. And we've been talking about some of those things in Scripture that make you go, whoa, 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 whoa about that, God, that kind of make you question some of those weird teachings or those weird things that we do in church or the weird stories that you read about in Scripture, right? Like last week, Pastor Evan did a phenomenal job talking about the story of cutting animals in half. And yeah, if you want to understand that, you, you need to go back and watch last week. Uh, but we've been going through this series, and um, I just got to be honest, there's been some stuff while we've done this series in the life of our church that have made me just stop and go, whoa, about that, God. Because we've been through a lot. If you aren't aware of all the things that have been happening in the life of our church, let me just walk you through a few of the things. Uh, uh, for, for one, um, if, if you were here in person, you'd see we've got a projector that's out. Well, that doesn't sound like a big deal, but hold on, that's not it. We also have had three different air conditioners go out, break down, and need to be replaced. Our roof is leaking. Our basement flooded. They're not related. Two different issues. In fact, the roof leak is leaking in two different places, and we've had to spend a lot of money trying to fix all of that, but none of that even matters as much as the hurt and pain that some of our families of Faith Church are feeling and going through. There's a guy by the name of Marshall Anderson, and him and his wife, Jesse, and their kids were a significant part of our uh, campus that we planted in Williamston and then moved to Meridian. They were part of that launch team and served there, and uh, their whole family got COVID, and Jesse and the kids have recovered, but Marshall has not yet recovered, and he continues to be in the hospital in Grand Rapids um, on a ventilator and, and has good days and has bad days, but continues to be on that ventilator, and we need to keep lifting him up and praying for Marshall. Also, uh, Jerry Shook, a longtime member of our church, um, he's uh, Ashley Berger, who's our worship director, her dad, he too just recently got COVID. And unfortunately for him, he ended up on a ventilator and Jerry passed away in this last week. And so that's been something that our church and our church family has been facing and going through and, and dealing with and coming alongside of Ashley and her family and loving on them. And then just last week, we got word that Ben Capshaw, who had been the children's pastor here at Faith Church, was in a tragic car accident. He was the children's pastor um, several years ago, but, uh, but very well loved, very well loved by people here at the church, people, several people still in touch with him. He was left to go be a senior pastor in Indiana, and he was in a tragic car accident and was killed instantly in that car accident. Then on Saturday of last week, Pastor Evan called me up because he was preaching on Sunday. wasn't sure if he was going to be able to do it or not. He ended up being able to, but he called me because his dad went in for a surgery on his heart. The surgery went wrong. It didn't go the way they'd hoped and didn't go as planned. And his dad is on uh, life support in Grand Rapids and not doing well. His kidneys are failing. He's on dialysis right now, still on the life support. And um, we're continuing to pray for, uh, his name is Rick, Rick Bibb, if you want to pray for him with us. 
And then later Saturday afternoon of last week, I got a phone call letting us know that Paul Rathbun, who grew up here in Faith Church and is well known in the Lansing area, was the president of Rathbun Insurance Agency. And uh, his, his mom and dad have been members uh, and leaders in Faith Church for a long, 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 long time. And Paul had a heart attack and he passed away um, on Saturday as well. And so it's just been overwhelming for our church. And so it's, it's interesting because as I've sensed and felt all of that, I've kind of wanted to go and be like, hey, about that, God. I mean, about that. Like, this doesn't seem fair. This doesn't seem right. And this week I was preparing the sermon and as I was praying and kind of asking God, what do you want me to do? Like we had a different plan. We had a different design. In fact, the bumper video at the beginning of this message was scripture from the book of Exodus and we're not going to use that. That's just not um, where the Holy Spirit took me to. That was the plan. That sermon was written and that sermon was ready. But uh, this week as I was praying, the Lord was just like, Kirk, I I want you to speak to the church about all that's going on. I want you to speak to their hearts. And so at first I kind of thought, okay, God, I'll do a sermon that's kind of like, well, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? That felt like it would fit the series. It would fit kind of what's going on uh, in the life of our church right now. Uh, It tied into kind of some of what Pastor Evan talked about last week. But as I kept praying, the Lord kept saying, no, Kirk, the church needs to hear and they need to know that I'm a good shepherd, even in times like this, Or, or maybe more so, especially in times like this. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what does it mean for us to say that our God is the good shepherd and is a good shepherd. And so to do this, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into the 23rd Psalm. And we're going to look at just the first few verses. In fact, we're going to do verse 1 and 2, and then at the end we're going to jump to verse 4, and that's it. And um, what this, the 23rd Psalm really is all about is it's telling us, hey, there's an alternative way to do life. There's an alternative way to walk through life when you have a good shepherd. And it really impacts how you handle stress and turmoil and trouble and tragedy and hardship. And, and so that's what we're going to look at and dive into today. Now let me warn you as we dive into the 23rd Psalm. It's comparing us to sheep. And if you don't know, that's not a good thing, right? Sheep are not the smartest of animals as we're going to see. Um, but it's comparing us to sheep. But the beauty of the scripture is that what we see out of it is what it means to have a good shepherd and how we can find peace even in the most troubled of times. So let's dive in. Psalm 23, it begins this way, simple enough. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd is how it starts. Now, the alternative to the statement is to live as if I have no shepherd. That means that every day and every moment of my life, everything I go through, I have the burden, I have the weight of carrying everything on myself, on my own shoulders. Life lived without a shepherd is is a life lived on the edge of your seat. It's a life of unceasing worry. Because if there is no shepherd, then it means that everything that takes place, you have to deal with. So every pain, every hurt, every heartache, every problem, Every trouble is on you to deal with. It's on you to recover from. It's on you to fix. It's on you to address. It's on you to communicate. To everyone needs to be communicated about it. It's, it's all on you. All of that weight is on your shoulders when you live life without a good, without a shepherd. And all of that leads to worry, right? And let's just be honest. We know that in life, like we know we already worry a ton. Like it is so easy for us to worry and spend so much time in it. There's so many things for us to worry about, right? Like, like, for example, like, um, if you have kids, you worry about your kids. And if you don't have kids, you worry about that, right? 
If you're married, you worry about your marriage. And if you're not married, you worry about that. If you've got a job, you're worried about your job. But if you don't have one, you're worried about that. If, if, you, if it comes to money, you're worried about money. But if you don't have any, you're worried about that. And when it comes to health, if you have good health, you worry about your health. But if you have good health, then you worry about the health of the people that you love who don't have good health. There's so much in this life for us to worry about. It can consume us and overwhelm us. And the point is this. We all worry all the time. And so when you live life without a shepherd, that's all on you. <laughs> See, this is why it's important for us to understand that God is the good shepherd. Because here's the challenge, is that when we live in worry, we are living as if we are without a shepherd. When we live in worry, we are living as if we're living without a shepherd, and in and, and living in worry, none of us, have, we all know better, right? Like we know that that's not a constructive way to do life. And the 23rd Psalm is going to tell us and show us that there's another way to do life. There's a better way to walk through these tough times, to live in the constant care and presence of a good shepherd, of the good shepherd. So King David, who wrote this psalm we're going to dive into today, he understood sheep and he understood shepherds. The reason why is because he himself was a shepherd. So he understood sheep really, really well, and that's probably part of why he's using the illustration and also because God inspired him to. To understand this, though, we need to understand sheep a little bit. There's a guy by the name of Warren Gill who used to be the professor of husbandry at the University of Tennessee, and um, he talks a lot about sheep. And one of the things that, that you find that he's written about is the idea that sheep spend up to 10 hours a day grazing. And while they're grazing, they do this thing called chewing the cud. And the technical term for chewing the cud is actually the word ruminate. Sheep ruminate. They, they do this all the time. Now, now, people ruminate too, but sheep do it recreationally. Sheep actually enjoy ruminating. They, they enjoy it. It's fun for them. And so Warren Gill, the professor, he says this. He says, the ruminating response requires that sheep be comfortable and relaxed. In other words, for them to be comfortable and relaxed, it requires them to have a good shepherd who's shepherding well, who's doing a good job of doing their job. <laughs> And so in rumination, what's interesting is that in rumination, sheep have a pensive, sleepy expression, much like people listening to a sermon. I mean, not this one, hopefully. Um, yeah. So when we find ourselves in troubled times, when we find ourselves in difficult times, instead of ruminating on worry, instead of ruminating on the problem, instead of ruminating on the challenges, instead of ruminating on adversity, what we've got to learn to do instead is to ruminate on our shepherd, the good shepherd, to ruminate on Jesus instead. And so that's the challenge. Instead of ruminating on the problem, ruminate on Jesus. Instead of ruminating and spending all your time worrying about stuff that you have no control over, circumstances that maybe you can't change, that you can't control, that you can't fix on your own, instead of ruminating and worrying and thinking on those things, instead, ruminate on Jesus. Ruminate on the fact that you have a good shepherd who cares for you. Ruminate on this. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. Ruminate on that. Sit in that. Let that truth soak in. 
And I know that even as I say that, some of you are like, yeah, but how do I know that he's a good shepherd? How do I know that, 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 that what he's doing is good for me? Well, let's keep reading. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. And then it says, I shall not want. Now, I want you to understand what it means when it says that. It's not saying that I won't want. It's not saying that I can't want. It's not saying that I shouldn't want. It says, I shall not want. What that means is that because the Lord is my shepherd and because he's a good shepherd, I don't need to want it won't be necessary in my life to want because I have a good shepherd who's going to care for my needs. In other words, everything that my soul needs in my heart needs comes from my good shepherd who provides that for me. Now, this doesn't mean that every single uh, gadget that you want, every single toy that you want, every car you want, every promotion that you want, he's going to give you. That's not what this is saying. This is saying that the needs and the desires of your heart and your soul are to be provided for you by your good shepherd. And there's something beautiful about that. But what does that look like? What does it look like to have a good shepherd? What does it look like for him to take care of those needs for us? Well, David goes on in this psalm. And I'm going to tell you that this idea of following the good shepherd, it plays out different than how you and I might expect. If you're going to follow the good shepherd in times of turmoil and trouble, it's going to push you to think and act and operate a little bit different than maybe what you're used to. Because look what David says next. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me. Hmm. See, the language here is so interesting to me. That whole idea that he makes me lie down in green pastures. And there's two responses that I have to this, which I think is actually a beautiful picture that God gives us of him as a good shepherd for us and what he's doing for us. And so the first thing that I, I think through here is that sometimes, sometimes when we go through tragedy, when we go through hurt, when we go through pain, when we go through adversity, sometimes what happens, if you're anything like me, is we try to avoid having to actually acknowledge the pain. We don't like to deal with the pain. And so we try to just move through it quick. We try to pretend it's not there. We try to operate like everything's fine. I'm okay. It doesn't matter. And we try to just like move on. And so sometimes it takes a good shepherd who says, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. I'm going to make you lie down. I'm going to make you lie down. And, and, and here's the beauty of it. He's going to make you lie down but he's going to do it in green pastures. And it's because God understands that by making us lie down, what that forces us to do is slow down. And when you slow down, it's going to force you to get honest about the hurt and the pain that you have in your life. And the good shepherd knows that this is important. <laughs> See, for whatever reason in my life, I run from hurt and pain. It is hard for me to sit in it, feel it, and accept it. I just want to pretend I'm okay. I want to move on. I want to compartmentalize it, put it in a box, put the box away, and never open that box again. I've learned from some really good friends of mine that sometimes it's really important to open that box up and sit in it and let yourself feel. Because healing can come out of that. And you see, the good shepherd knows this. So he's going to make you lay down in green pastures. He's going to make you slow down and acknowledge the hurt and the pain that you see. The other thing that I see in this part of the scripture here in the 23rd Psalm is that when it says the shepherd makes him lie down, I think part of this is because the truth of the matter is we'd rather be in control than be controlled, right? Like we don't like the idea of somebody making me lie down. I don't like to be told what to do. And this is hard for us to accept to be told what to do, right? We don't, we don't like that. But sometimes you need a shepherd in your life who understands things that you don't understand. 
See, the truth of the matter is, is that God is the good shepherd, knows things in life that you don't get. He understands things about the tragedy, the turmoil, the hurt, the heartache, and the pain that you're going through, that you're facing. And sometimes you need a good shepherd to come along and to say, listen, because you don't have the perspective of me, I got to help you do what's best for you, even though you don't realize it's what's best for you. And so sometimes you need that shepherd to come along and say, I'm going to make you lay down in these green pastures because I'm going to make you learn to trust me and to know that I want what's best for you. And that's hard because we don't always have the same perspective as God, so we don't always understand what he's doing. And sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we're wrong about what we think is right or is best. And usually when you go through turmoil, we try to control everything around us, don't we? (laughs) And it's hard because we are wrong sometimes. Let's just be honest. We know we're wrong sometimes. I remember one of the first times that I realized I was wrong in my marriage. Um, it was early on in my marriage to Emily. Uh, I'll never forget this, this story. Uh, she, she told me, she said, um, I'm going to make dinner tonight for us, which was great. Well, I'll just be honest. I'm not a good cook, so she's usually the one that makes dinner for us. I mean, I'm not terrible. I have now learned how to make things like frozen pizza and spaghetti uh, and mac and cheese. But the first time I ever made a frozen pizza, I left the cardboard on it. Um, so that ruined the one meal on our honeymoon I was responsible for. Um, the first time I ever made spaghetti, I did exactly what she said to do. I put noodles in water, and I turned the water on and waited for them to boil. Those were the soggiest spaghetti noodles that we've ever had. Uh, see, I'm not a good cook. So most nights, Emily would cook for us. But um, she told me, she said, hey, I'm going to make fajitas for us tonight. And I was like, oh. And because she told me ahead of time, it was like all day long, I was just salivating over fajitas. It was all I could think about. I mean, seriously, like I just kept thinking about these fajitas. I was like, oh my word, I cannot wait. Like I could taste, like, like it was, she always warms up she, the, the, the taco shells. So I just imagine like the warm, soft taco shell and then the marinated chicken and some rice and some grilled peppers and a little bit of salsa in there, some refried beans. Ooh, and then the best part, the best part, the bratwurst. Oh, the marinated sliced up bratwurst. I was thinking about these fajitas all day long. We sat down at dinner that night and Emily puts all the toppings out and I'm looking and I'm looking at it all and and I'm helping get it all ready, get it all out. And we sit down at the table and I start to realize something's missing. And finally I looked at Emily and I go, Emily, I said, I don't understand. She goes, what do you mean? I said, where are the brats? (laughs) She said, what are you talking about? I said, for the fajitas, where's, where's the bratwurst, honey? And she looked at me like I was crazy. I'm not crazy. And she, and she goes, silly, what are you talking about? And I said, we got to have brats for our fajitas. And she goes, there's no brats in fajitas. <gasps> and it hit me in that moment. For Emily's entire life, she has been eating fajitas the wrong way. She's been making fajitas the wrong way. And it's now my job to correct her. And so we began to talk about this, and she was certain that she was right and I was wrong, and I was certain that I was right and I was wrong. And I began to get concerned because then I began to realize something. We have children. And, and if this was left unchecked, our children would begin to make and eat fajitas the wrong way. And that's not okay. And then this got even more painful because I began to tell other people about this. I began to tell him I was deeply concerned about how Emily made fajitas and that, that I was missing the bratwurst that were supposed to be there. And it was in these moments, as I told other people, that I quickly learned that Emily is not the weird one. I am. 
<laughs> that everybody else's family does not make fajitas with bratwurst in it. That's just my family. Thank you, Mom and Dad, for that. <laughs> now, now that I've told you that, you guys are all going to go. Next time you make fajitas, you're going to be like, we got to put bratwurst in them and try this out. Now, I've told this story before, and a few of you were like, oh, we're going to do that, and you forgot to. Now you're going to remember. Now listen, if you do it, you got to do it right. So what I need you to do is... you. Chop up the, the, the brats into, into smaller pieces and you marinate them, right? It's just the marinate into every piece more so. And then you grill them on the grill. Oh, just, it, it's, you're going to love it. It's going to be really, really good. So the point of that, though, is we get things wrong sometimes, don't we? Like I did in my marriage, I got it wrong. We, and, and in life, that's just true. We get things wrong. What I have found, though, is that when I'm running through, going through times of turmoil and trouble and challenges and adversity, my mind doesn't always work well. I don't always work through that the way that I should, and I, I tend to be wrong more often than I'm right during those troubled times. And the reason why I tend to be wrong is because what our tendency is is that we try to control everything because stuff all around us is going wrong and it's not going right, and so we try to take control of our lives, right? And it's not so much that I want to control everything because I want to tell people what to do and you got to go here and you got to do that. It's not that. It's that I'm trying to control the outcomes and the circumstances because I don't like the outcomes that I just experienced. So now to make sure that I don't have to experience anything hard again, I try to take control of all the outcomes, which is silly because it's beyond my control. I can't do that. It's not going to work. <laughs> and so what happens when we do that, when we try to take control of the outcomes, is we begin to live as if we don't have a good shepherd who loves us, cares for us, who says, hey, you're not going to want because that's how good of a good shepherd I am. <laughs> and so here's the reason why the good shepherd makes us lie down. It's because he's trying to help us to learn another way of doing life. What if we learn to let go of control? Because here's the truth of the matter is, you were not meant to live with the burden of controlling outcomes. You weren't meant for that. You can't, you can't handle that. I can't handle that. We were not created to deal with the idea of trying to control outcomes in life. It is beyond us. It is too much, and it will overwhelm us. And that's the beauty of the good shepherd is he says, you don't have to. He says, I'll make you lie down. And when I make you lie down, it's not going to be in a rocky pasture. It's not going to be with a bunch of dead grass that comes up and pokes you. He says, I'm going to make you lie down in green pastures because I'm a good shepherd who loves you and cares for you, but you're going to have to learn a new way of life. And that new way of life is that sometimes you've got to go, God, it doesn't make sense. God, I don't like this. I don't love this, but I'm going to let you be in control. And you got to let go. 23rd Psalm goes on. It says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me beside still waters. Now this is important for sheep Sheep don't like noisy waters because they've learned that with all the, the wool, well, they didn't learn this, they're too dumb to learn this, but we know this, um, that noisy waters aren't good for sheep because if they fall into the water, it will absolutely saturate their entire wool coat and it will cause them to, to sink and they won't be able to swim. And, and then the reason why they don't like the noisy waters is because if the water is moving and flowing, it's that much harder for the shepherd to rescue a sheep that does fall into the water. And so a good shepherd will always look for gentle water, for still water to help uh, to, for, for their sheep. And so they need to have that kind of water. And it's interesting, uh, Warren Gill says that, that was the sheep guy I talked about earlier. Um, he's the people ask him all the time, well, are sheep stupid? Like, like are sheep 
dumb, you know? And he said, they always ask that, are sheep dumb? And his answer is this. He says, I always tell them, it depends on how you define intelligence. A sheep has precisely the correct amount of intelligence it needs to function as a sheep. Isn't that wonderful? Because that's how God makes his creatures, that they have precisely the exact amount of intelligence that they need to function as the creature they were created to be, which means that you have precisely the right amount of intelligence that you need to function as you. Now, Gill also says that one should not own an animal that is smarter than oneself, which means that all of you cat owners should probably rethink that. I just, I'm just saying, all right? So, sheep have precisely the amount of intelligence that they need to recognize a good shepherd, and you have precisely the right amount of intelligence to be able to recognize Jesus as your good shepherd. And we're like sheep. We don't always understand all the circumstances around us. We don't understand all the whys. It's why we find ourselves going, about that, God. Help me understand that, God. Because we don't understand all the whys. We don't get why we're going through the things that we're going through or facing what we're facing, and it doesn't always make sense to us. And you just won't. You won't always understand the circumstances that you're allowed to walk through. You won't always understand what God has you face and go up against. But you will always have the amount of intelligence that is needed to recognize Jesus as your good shepherd who will walk with you through those circumstances. So stop looking to control the circumstances around you and instead lean into the presence of your good shepherd who loves you. You get that? Stop trying to control the circumstances around you and instead lean into your good shepherd who loves you. This brings us to our so what moment. So what does this mean? What do we do with this? Where do we go from here? I want to jump to the fourth verse in the 23rd Psalm now. It's, it's, it's important. It says this. It says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He says, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. Not because I'm in control. Not because I'm ignoring the pain and the heartache and the struggles. Not because I'm super strong and I can overcome. No, 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 no. It's not what it says. It says, I will fear no evil. Why? Why can I walk through dark valleys and fear no evil? It says, for you are with me. It's the presence of the shepherd that enables us to walk through the darkest valleys and still find peace. Church, we have got to begin to understand this incredibly important truth that is simply this. Peace is found in the shepherd's presence more than in the shepherd's gifts. See, sometimes we go through life and we get upset if things don't go the way we think they should. If we don't get the gifts that we think we deserve or things doesn't go right, And we have to begin to remind ourselves over and over again that the peace we're seeking will be found in his presence more than in his gifts. For it's in his presence where we find peace that carries us through sickness. It is in his presence that we find peace that carries us through loss, peace that carries us through adversity, peace that carries us through poverty, peace that carries us through the troubles that this world throws at us. And I know that some of you will say, oh, but Pastor Kirk, I don't know any peace. Pastor Kirk, I don't have any peace in my life right now. You'll say, Kirk, you don't understand the situation that I'm in. You don't understand the circumstances I'm up against. I'm overwhelmed right now, and there is no peace. And I will tell you that the truth is, is you have no peace because you haven't invited God into those circumstances yet. 
You need to realize how important the presence of the good shepherd really is and invite God into those circumstances. You see, if you are seeking peace in your life in anywhere other than God, then you will not survive when tragedy hits. If your peace in life comes from being healthy, then you won't survive sickness or illness and disease. It will rock your world and it will almost ruin you or it will ruin you. If your peace comes from your job, you won't survive losing your job. If your peace comes from your money and your financial situation, then you'll never be able to survive if you go into poverty. If your peace comes from your family, then you won't survive the loss of a loved one. If your peace comes from relationships, then you'll never survive losing a relationship, losing a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse. You'll never survive a divorce. If your peace comes from anything other than God, it will rock your world because the truth of the matter is, is the peace that you need to survive in the troubled times is a supernatural peace that can only come from a supernatural God who says, I am not just a good shepherd, I am the good shepherd. Church, we've been through a lot. These last few weeks have been tough. But we know the good shepherd who is the giver of peace. And so here's how I just want to close today. Is if you're tuning in online, maybe you're watching on Facebook. If you're watching on Facebook, then as we close, I kind of I just want to allow you to just open up and share on Facebook if you'd like a pastor to reach out to you this week to pray for you. If you're listening on the podcast or you're watching this at a different time and so you're not able to comment, I'd love for you to send us an email at hello at wearefaithchurch.com. If you'd like one of our pastors to contact you and just pray with you and for you. It's tough times right now. We've all been going through a lot. And it's helpful to sometimes have somebody else come along and remind us of the good shepherd. And so I just want to challenge you to not do it alone. But reach out. Let us walk with you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for being the good shepherd. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to us and for us, Lord. Help us to, to walk in the peace that can only come from him. Lord, to, to be willing to, as we face trials and troubles and tribulations and tragedies and heartaches and hurts and pains, Lord, may we be reminded that there is peace that comes with your presence. And so, Father, rather than us trying to take control, help us to give you control and to just simply say, I'm going to lean into your presence, God. I'm going to lean into your son, Jesus. And I'm just going to let him love me. I'm going to let him hug me. I'm going to let him speak truth to me that I'm valuable, that I matter, that you love me, that you care, that you see my hurt, that you see my pain. <laughs> and that even if I can't see what you're doing about it, God, I'm going to trust that you are. I'm going to know that you're working on my behalf. Help us to trust in that way. In Jesus' name we pray.